Kenny the Sports Guy podcast. Hello, and welcome back to Kenny the Sports Guy's podcast. I'm your host, Kenny Severo, and another episode of Sports Ball Talk is next. Joining the show today is DZA Smith, who is a journalist and probably has the best sports personality name in the business. He is an avid Seattle Seahawks fan and Miami Heat fan. Please welcome to the show, Steezy A. Smith. Thank you for being on the show today, man. Hey, of course, Kenny. Um, man, it's a pleasure being on. Thank you. Thank you so much for the kind words, and I uh, hope you're doing well. Thanks for having me. Okay, my first question I have for you is, I have to mention the name, because you have the best name I have ever heard in the sports <laughs> industry right now. <laughs> so hey, my question is, how did Steezy A. Smith got started? Ooh, okay. This is definitely one of my favorite stories to tell. Um, so in high school, right, I was given the nickname Cal Steezy. And so all throughout high school, people will call me Cal Steezy instead of uh, Calvin. And then for short, people would start calling me Steezy instead of Cal Steezy. And that was kind of a name that I picked up, I think, my senior year of high school, so a couple of years ago. And um, so people would call me Steezy. And then as I was beginning to talk sports, you know, I wanted a, a persona. And Stephen A. Smith, as with, you know, everyone else in, in our industry, um, we all aspire to, you know, to be like him or to um, to reach the level of success that he's reached. And we all, you know, pretty sure watched him, or at least we've heard of him. And so Stephen A. Smith. Oh, we heard him, all right. <laughs> all right. We heard Especially him, all right. how loud he is at times. Um, right. And so, I don't know, he was someone I looked up to. And I kind of look at him as like, he's holding the throne of, of sports talk right now and sports media. And he's where we all want to get to eventually one day, if not, you know, even surpass him. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, you know, what? let me put my nickname Steezy. And then I'm gonna combine that with a name that's synonymous with sports, which is Stephen A. Smith. And so I put the two together and uh, Steezy A. Smith was born. Wow. That's actually a really good story. Wow. <laughs> so I, I guess, like, you know, I guess to me, you're, you're like the better version of Stephen A. Smith, actually. <laughs> Yo, hey, that's the goal. That's the goal. So, you know, I, re I really appreciate the kind words, Kenny. That means a lot. Uh, what made you start your own YouTube channel? So I, I think I started it right around the pandemic was becoming prevalent, you know, especially here in the U.S. So I think that was around April of 2020. And prior to that, I was actually just strictly doing you know, sports writing, journalism. I was a sports editor at my school. Um, and I was also doing sports talk on the radio. I was actually doing an internship for one of my good friends, my brothers. Uh, shout out Squabo Says, by the way. Um, we do the Bolt together every week. It's our weekly show, weekly debate show. We've been doing it for years now. And um, prior to the pandemic, that's all I was doing. And then I think right around, like I said, when the pandemic became prevalent, uh, we were all, you know, stuck at home, and mm -hmm. there wasn't a whole lot for us to do, or at least at that point in time, you know, not a lot of people knew what they wanted to do, especially knowing that they had to be stuck inside the house for who knows, you know, how long. And so my good friend, my brother, he encouraged me. He was like, yo, because he had a YouTube channel and he told me that if this is my passion, if this is what I want to do, um, you know, let's get on the same wave. Let's start doing the same stuff. And so after a couple of weeks of convincing me, I was like, you know what? It's time. And so I made my channel. I think it was April 12th of 2020. And ever since then, it's just been it's just been a real blessing, you know, to see where it's kind of taken me so far. And I've met a lot of people along the way and I don't plan on stopping anytime soon. 
Wow, your story actually is like mirror to mine with my podcast. I actually uh-huh. started in May 2020. Okay. And yeah, like a month later. And uh-huh. my first episode launched on May 8th. And I have to look back then. I have 65 episodes. In. I mean, Yo, I'm, let's I'm, go. I mean, you know, I've been trying to get into YouTube as well. I mean, uh-huh. I just got to learn the algorithm and all that stuff. But I mean, I'm a newbie, but I just got to continue the path. And that's it, you know? Okay. Hey, Ross, the little fishes in the water. So it's all right, my guy. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's talk about the Seattle Seahawks. As you already know, they had a horrible season. Russell Westbrook, I mean, Russell Wilson was injured. Mm-hmm. The defense did not came out at all this season. The offense was just, oh my God, bad. So <laughs> the question I have for you today is should the Seahawks fire Pete Carroll? Ooh. I mean, we discussed this on Twitter one time, like a couple of weeks ago. We did. We had a little thread. We, yeah. yeah, we had a little go uh, a back and forth. Um, so I've addressed this numerous amount of times, you know, from the beginning of the season to the middle of the season to the end of the season. And it's been, you know, a, a nonstop, I guess, topic of sort. And so I just want to preface my comments by saying that I'm not married to my statements. And so the reason why I say that is because at the beginning of the year, I was advocating for Pete Carroll to be fired. Um, but now I'm kind of looking at it in a different light. You know, I'm I'm more willing to give him, I guess, one more chance or another chance in Seattle, just because when you look at how the season went down, Russ was missed, what, three and a half games. Seattle finished seven and ten. If you would have given him, you know, a couple more victories, I know it doesn't always work like that, but let's just say I think Russ gets a job done against the Steelers and the Saints, yep. given how poorly the Seahawks offense was without Russ. And so you give Seattle a couple more wins. They're in the wild card picture, nine or ten wins. And I'm not saying Seattle would have made any sort of noise just because the roster is so deeply flawed. Um, but look, that still would have been another playoff run. And then maybe, you know, everybody outside of Seattle and all the fans would be a little bit more convinced that, you know, maybe you add a couple pieces here and there, then Seattle can go back and, you know, run it back next year and potentially make a run. And so I think with Pete, a lot of people don't know this, but he's also kind of the de facto GM. And what I mean by that is he has final say over all personnel. Uh, decisions and, and roster moves and, and draft uh, whoever they draft and, and sign and, and all that good stuff. And so I think Pete hasn't done the best of jobs. Um, and John Schneider deserves deserve some of the blame as well, but I don't think they've done the best of, uh, of jobs as far as personnel in the last three, four or five years. I mean, we look at all these misses in the first round. Um, we're hardly ever aggressive in free agency. And even when we do sign guys in free agency, these guys end up being poor fits, a waste of money. Guys don't end up staying on a team for the duration of their contracts. Um, and, and maybe he just hasn't had that same eye for talent, or maybe, you know, it is true what they say. The draft is a crapshoot. Um, but I definitely feel like he should be stripped of some of the power that he has in Seattle just because I feel like he'd be better focused or he'd be it'd be a lot better for him if you were to just focus on coaching. Well, for me, um, I actually had this conversation a few a few weeks back with uh, another podcaster, Time to PS right. podcast. And apparently he feels the same way as you. He wants Pete Carroll fired, but I don't think he, uh, he deserves to be fired this season because Mm-hmm. Wilson was hurt. Uh, the defense did not show up in any capacities except for maybe the last game of the season. Uh, the offense was just terrible. And it, like, if you have Geno Smith on the team, forget it, because he we already know how he did with the Jets. Uh, I think you know. I think Pete Carroll deserves at least 
one more chance. I, I think he should just finish off his contract. Ooh. Now, that I think is a different story just because he did recently sign an extension just about a year and a half ago. So, yeah, he has four a year, another, four year extension, right? I think it was a five year extension. So, after this year, he still has another three to four years left. I don't know if he sees the entire length of that. Maybe, but I don't know. Who knows? Maybe Seattle wins the Super Bowl within the next year or two, and maybe he wants to ride off into the sunset. Never know. I mean, he is 70 and he's getting up there in age. And oldest head coach in the league. Yeah, he's actually 70. Surprisingly, he doesn't even look 70. <laughs> and he doesn't act like it. That's yeah, for yeah. Sure. He, he's, he acts like he's like 50 or something. <laughs> Even younger. Yeah, Even younger. like 50, 40. Yeah, it's amazing 30s. how young he is despite his age. Exactly. The energy is just through the roof. And I think that's part of what makes such a great culture, especially, you know, here in Seattle. I mean, we all talk, we all hear about how he's such a, a player friendly coach and how the players love him and how they're willing to, you know, to, to lay it out all on the all on the line, excuse me, for him. And so I think he has that sort of that effect on, on his players. He is a silver fox after all. <laughs> right. So the next question I have is, what do you think went wrong for the Seahawks this season? Man, a, a whole lot of things. Uh, like I alluded to earlier, the, the roster is flawed. It, it's been flawed for a couple of years now. And I know Seattle's it looks like they've tried to address, you know, some of those holes in, in past off seasons. It just hasn't worked out in their favor. Um, the one thing I will say amongst, you know, a few things I think is the Russell Wilson injury. I mean, like we just talked about, he missed three and a half games and he definitely could have been a deciding factor in some of those games that Seattle lost. Anytime a team loses their starting quarterback, their franchise quarterback, unless you have like one of the best backups in football, it's kind of hard to stay afloat, especially when you're not as, good uh, or not as well-rounded uh, across the rest of your roster. So definitely the injury, I feel like the state of the NFC West. I mean, you look at the NFC championship game right now. What does it feature? Two NFC West teams, the Niners, the Niners and, the, and Rams. the Rams. And then the Cardinals were in the playoffs. The Seahawks, despite not having rust for you know all that time, still only finished a couple of games back from a playoff spot. And so to me, that kind of signals that every single team was more than competitive and um, yeah, it's still the toughest and the best division of football by far. I mean, these teams Agreed. are elite, right? These teams are elite. Um, and I think that Seattle, they've just kind of fallen off in terms of roster construction. You know, like I said, the pass rush just really wasn't a threat this year. Jamal Adams, a year after setting their career, uh, or a year after setting their career high for, for sacks by a defensive back with nine and a half last year, he had none. In 12 games, he had zero. And so... Wow. That was puzzling. Um, Bobby Wagner had 170 tackles this year, but he started to look like, you know, he was maybe losing a step or two. Uh, in terms of takeaway, Seattle just wasn't a team that really took the ball away a lot. Um, and despite being 11th in terms of opposing points per game, Seattle gave up a whole lot of yards. And so teams were just able to go move up and down the field at will. Um, and maybe it was by design for the most part, but still, um, and, and Seattle's run defense struggled to start the year off. I could list a whole bunch of things. Offensive line was yet again a problem. Um, there were games in which DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett just disappeared. The running game, Chris Carson only played four games. Rashad Penny didn't start to come on until the end of the year. There's so many things that went wrong. Um, but I have no doubt in my mind this offseason, not everything, but definitely some of these things I hope to be fixed. And hopefully next year, you know, we're back in the playoffs. I mean, I think uh, you were right at everything that you just said. I think the offense was really bad because of Russell Wilson's injury. The defense, we are a far cry from the Legion of Boom all those years ago. 
Right. I, I, I will also blame the QB coach, uh, Shane Waldron. Oh, the offensive coordinator. I mean, offensive coordinator. I, I would blame him because some of the plays that he has done like during the season was very, very questionable, the play calling. Right. And I just feel like, you know, they need to get rid of him. That he's he's part of the problem. But as long as like the Seahawks offense stays healthy, Russell Wilson, you know, plays lights out. I think they're gonna make the playoffs next season. Wait, do you think that because this is his first year ever being an offensive coordinator? So do you think that he just doesn't deserve another chance and that he just deserves to get written off just a year after being on the job? I don't want to sound mean, but I think it's time for them to go go get like more experience for the offensive side. I mean, offensive coordinator side. I mean, of course he's gonna screw up during the, his first year. That's just natural. Right. But, it's a part of the process. Yeah, it's a part of the process. Yeah, but. I just feel like they need to pull the trigger on this now because if not, it, it can either go two ways, either really good or really bad. And based on what happened this year, I think he's going to be a very bad coordinator. But, I mean, I could be wrong. I mean, I, I, mean, I hope you mean, are. But, I hope you are. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to be mean or anything, but based on what I saw this season from them, they look bad <laughs> offensively. But. No, hey, no doubt. I mean, aside from the fact that he was a first-year offensive coordinator in the NFL, like I said, though, not having Russ for three and a half games. Chris Carson only played four games. Um, and I also think that Pete Carroll actually had a little bit more autonomy over the offense than people might, you know, realize. Um, there were times during the year in which the offense that Shane Waldron was supposedly run didn't resemble anything. Like a Shane Waldron Ram, Sean McVay, and that coaching tree, it didn't look like that sort of offense. It just looked like Pete's or I don't know who, who was responsible behind that. But what I do know is that Pete is the head coach and everything does have to you know run by him. And so I definitely think that he played a part in some of Seattle's struggles. Uh, obviously, there's a whole lot of blame pot to go around. But uh, I just don't think that in my eyes, at least, I don't think Shane Waldron uh, did a terrible job, especially given the circumstances. But I can also, you know, see your point of view. And uh, given the talent on the roster, what he did was, simply put, unacceptable. I mean, 23 points a game on the year. This mm -hmm. team should be closer to 30 points a game. And without Rashad Penny's emergence uh, towards the second half of the season, Seattle would be averaging under 20 points a game. And that's just absolutely pathetic for a team, you know, with as much talent as they have, like I just said. Do you think the Seahawks will win the NFC West next season? That's hard um, just because I know that or we all know that this year it's guaranteed that there will be an NFC West representative in the Super Bowl. And so um, just that fact alone, an NFC West team made it out and went to the Super Bowl, um, that I think speaks volumes. And going on top of what I was saying earlier about the rest of the teams in the division, it's just going to be super competitive year in and year out. You don't really know who's going to win it just because you feel like all the teams can win it. Um, so right now, I'm probably hold off and say no. I'd have to wait until I see what kind of moves Seattle ends up making in the offseason. You know, there's a lot of guys that could be had in free agency in the trade market and the draft. So many different things could happen. Um, but as of right now, as of today, with the roster as is, I'd have to say no. What are your predictions for the Seahawks next season? Next year, I'm definitely going to guarantee the playoffs. You know, I, I think that while 
we're not locks and we shouldn't be favorites to win the division. I like to think that Seattle is easily a lock to, to win or to at least reach 500 in terms of the record. So if we're talking 17 games, I'd expect somewhere along the lines of 10 and seven or 11 and six. And at the very best, maybe even 12 and five, 13 or four, depending on who Seattle might be able to acquire this off season, just because the pressure is going to be on the front office. You know, everybody's looking at Russell Wilson. Is he leaving? Is he staying? How many years is he, you know, here in Seattle? for you know he wants to win but he also loves Seattle and there's so many different variables and and so many different things that kind of cloud the whole situation and so with that in mind I'd like to think that Seattle is going to be ultra aggressive and going after you know not just high-priced free agents but just going after guys that they feel like can help this team win a Super Bowl or else Russ Wilson's gone within the next year or two and you know as we all know franchise quarterbacks don't grow on trees. So my prediction on the Seahawks I think Russell Wilson stays for one more year, they uh-huh. they will finish nine and eight next year, maybe last in the division. I mean, no one's beating the Cardinals. Oh. Nobody's beating the Niners. I mean, I don't know about the Niners because the Niners they could be a Jekyll or Hyde team because Trey Lance might start next year because uh, Garoppolo he might leave. They might trade him to somewhere. That's but certainly possible. The Rams are the Rams. It's still going to be high power. I think they're going to win the division for years to come. But as for Russell Wilson, he's going to stay one more year. I think they're going to sign him like to like an extension, one-year extension, the same way they did with Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. And I think he, he's going to get traded two seasons from now. And I think he, he's going to get traded to either three places, the Broncos, the Giants, and the Saints. The Broncos, the Giants, or the Saints. I think those are very intriguing destinations. I feel like I'd rule the Saints out just because I feel like part of the allure of going to New Orleans is having Sean Payne as your head coach. But he's as gone. we all know, he's gone. You know, yeah. he's deciding to step away, and we don't know how long that – you know, I don't know how long he means when he says he's going to step away. But presumably he's not going to be – uh, the head coach of a football team next year. So I think New Orleans, with them being in cap hell, uh, there's just no way I feel like they'd be able to get it done. Um, the Giants, Russell Wilson, he wants to win. And he wants to play I just, there, believe it or not. Well, yeah, I mean, everybody wants to be in New York, right? But if he's serious about winning, I think the Giants would probably be the worst team other than the Jaguars if he wants to win. Just because that team, it's it's – it's a mess. Um, it's very disastrous what's going on over there. And I just don't think Russ would want any part of that. I mean, how, how could you say you want to win and ask to be traded to New York? You're essentially contradicting yourself. And so um, that wouldn't be – I don't think that would look good on Russ Wilson, honestly. And not only that, to make matters worse, the Giants are actually cap held themselves. <laughs> They're not even set to have any sort of cap space. They're deep in the negative, and the team is super flawed. It's flawed from the from top to bottom. They have no offensive line. We don't know what's, you know, Daniel Jones's future in the NFL. They have no head coach at the moment. Their weapons underachieved last year. The defense took a step back. There's just not really much to build around. Saquon Barkley is a generational talent, but it hasn't looked that way in years. You can't play every position. Exactly, exactly. And there's only so much that he could do with an offensive line that's so porous. It's actually a lot worse than Seattle's. And so I just feel like the Giants, they're not, it's not very realistic. I think the Saints, they're out the picture. The Broncos could very well do it, 
But to join a division that has Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, what if the Broncos, what if Aaron Rodgers wants to go to the Broncos? And what if the Broncos would prefer Aaron Rodgers to Russell Wilson? Again, there's so many variables that go there. I, I don't know if the grass is necessarily always greener. And so I think that if Russell Wilson were to leave, I hope it wouldn't be this offseason, um, but it's probably going to be next year if we don't end up winning a Super Bowl or if at least Seattle doesn't come close. I'm pretty sure Tom Cable is the uh, – is the uh... What you call it? You remember Tom Cable, right? I do. The offensive line coach. Yeah, the offensive the associate line coach. assistant head coach. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure he's the offensive line coach for the Giants right now because the Giants are a mess. Actually, both <laughs> New York teams are a mess. I mean, I'm a Jets fan, and even I think the Jets are actually going to do better than the Giants in years to come. Oh yeah, no, that's no. I'd put money on the Jets seven days, seven out of uh, seven, seven days of the week, every single day. Yeah. So. Let's move on to the NBA. So I know, I know your favorite team is the Miami Heat. Is that right? It is. Yes, it is. So the Miami Heat has the fourth best record in the NBA. And as of this recording, they are first in the Easter Conference. What has gone right for the Miami Heat? Man, I think we when we talk about the injuries and everything that Miami's had to deal with. I mean, Jimmy Butler's missed, what, 20-plus games. Bam Metabio's missed 20-plus games. Kyle Lowry's missed almost 10 games. Tyler Hero, uh, he's just coming back from health and safety protocols. I think you could name just about every player on a roster that's missed time, some some players more than others. Um, but I think it's really just a testament to the amount of depth on the team, to the culture that the team has, you know, headlined by Eric Spolstra, the amount of depth that this team has. I mean, we're hearing of guys like Omer Yurtsevin, a rookie from Turkey. We're hearing about Max Strews. We're hearing about Gabe Vincent. We're hearing about Dwayne Dedman. I'm seeing Udonis Haslam back on the, on the court. Um, and, and so as, there's just so much depth. The heat culture, the defense, it's it's suffocating. Um, Miami's one of the best three-point shooting teams in the league. Um, and they can just get it done with anybody on the floor. It doesn't matter who's there. P.J. Tucker adds a great deal of, of leadership and and just toughness, and he fits the great and grind culture and nature of the Miami Heat. Kyle Lowry has been somewhat of a godsend just because not only has he worked out as a distributor, I think he's still leading the league in charges, or at least he's up among, up amongst the league leaders. Um, and the way that he's able to set things up on offense, that's what Miami was desperately lacking last offseason, or last season, I mean to say. And so, so many things have worked out in their favor. It got to be coaching, the amount of depth on the roster, the way that the team is built, the heat culture, and Jimmy Butler, when he's been healthy. I mean, he's having somewhat of a career year. And so, um, the number one seed in the East right now, I didn't see it happening, but I can't say I'm surprised. Well, for me, I think uh, the Miami Heat, they just have a well-balanced squad. I mean, Brooklyn and Chicago are currently de dealing with injuries, but the Heat, they just got to all figure it out. I mean, everyone is stepping up. It's that next man up mentality where any, they could put anybody in the court right now and they they would just produce. And mm -hmm. they had thrived through adversity throughout so far this season. I mean, it's just incredible, incredible for them to watch. And also, this team kind of reminds me of the 2020 squad that went to the uh, that went to the NBA Finals. Shoot, my favorite. I totally blanked out. Say that one more time. So they kind of remind me of the 2020 squad that went to the NBA Finals a couple of years ago. Oh, no doubt. I mean, 
I think some of the pieces are, you know, aren't there, Goran Dragic, but I think Kyle Lowry's an upgrade. I honestly think that this team is more dynamic offensively. This team is more explosive offensively, and I think that this team offensively, you know, can can do a lot more things on that uh, end of the floor. And defensively, this team might even be better than that team that went to the finals. Um, but I think this team has so, so much potential. And I was, I was telling people before the year, yo, I mean, we might not have a top 10 player on the roster, but – Look, don't be surprised if this team goes to the Eastern Conference Finals. You know, I could see it being or the Miami, NBA Finals, or even the NBA Finals. You know, just because with Brooklyn, um, you know, obviously the status of Kyrie Irving, he's going to be a part-time player. KD is injured yet again. It sounds like Harden doesn't want to be there long term. He did. He doesn't be, like Brooklyn. That's what it looks like. You know, there's some distractions. He doesn't like living Brooklyn. in Brooklyn, actually. That's what it sounds like. And then Chicago, Lonzo Ball's out. Um, and then there's some Alice Crusoe's out for some time. And so there's injuries there. Philadelphia, they don't have Ben Simmons. They haven't traded Ben Simmons yet. And so Milwaukee, obviously, they're still going to be there as the reigning defending NBA champions. But I could very well see Miami, you know, paving a path towards uh, supremacy in the Eastern Conference if things continue to keep up the way that they are. Do they stay the number one seed this season for the rest of the year? That's tough. You know, I don't think Miami needs the number one seed um, just because they're so good both on the road and at home. Um, that said, though, I'm going to say no. I just feel like a team like, I don't know, um, a Milwaukee could really turn it up down the stretch. Um, Miami, I know we just talked about how injuries haven't been the worst of things to uh, to affect Miami, but you know, some of their best guys aren't the most durable. And so who knows, maybe down the stretch, guys might be rested. I just don't think Miami's the sort of team that would play for the number one seed, especially if they do have nagging injuries down the stretch. I'd like to see them go for the number one seed. Um, but as of today, I'm going to say no. So I got the Brooklyn Nets finishing first, the Bulls surprisingly finishing second, and the Heat finishing third. Hey, I'm all for it, bro. I mean, like I said, I had a hard time uh, convincing people that this was the top four team in the East last offseason. So for you to put them in your top three, I mean, that's um, – I love it. Will the Heat make the NBA Finals this season? Ooh. Man, you put me on the spot because, of course, <laughs> I want to say, I want to say, yeah. You know, I, I do want to say, yeah, I think Miami's is certainly capable. But at the same time, I'm also a betting man. And if Brooklyn, if they're fully healthy, um, and even if Kyrie's just a part-time player, I guess it's not the worst thing in the world just because in, in a playoff series, he could still play up to three or four games, you know, and I feel like that'd be enough. Um, but if Brooklyn's fully healthy, I could see Brooklyn in the Eastern Conference or representing the Eastern Conference in the NBA Finals. And if not Brooklyn, potentially Milwaukee. Um, but if it's not those two teams, I could definitely see Miami making a run. So who I got in the NBA Finals, I think I have the Brooklyn Nets versus the Phoenix Suns. The Suns Ooh. are killing it. That's hey, right now. I'm surprised. I don't think anyone expected them to be the number one seed in the West, much less the number one, the best team actually in basketball in terms yeah, of record -wise. regular season record. Right. I don't think anyone expected that year after making their unexpected run to the NBA Finals. So, you know, respect and hats off to the Suns. I mean, a lot of people are taking them lightly. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they proved us all wrong and made it two straight trips to the Finals. Yeah, probably the only obstacle in their way is the Golden State Warriors. They're doing really well as well. Right. Uh, Steph Curry is playing lights out as usual. And I will not be surprised if they meet up in the Western Conference Finals. 
you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised either. Um, I know a lot of people have given up on the Lakers, but the Lakers, I mean. Uh, they done. <laughs> they done. <laughs> no, look, 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 AD is coming back, and, and the Lakers could, they might be able to make moves. You know, they might be small. They might be minor. It won't be any, you know, superstars or anything of, of that nature, but the Lakers could potentially make a move or two, and maybe even the buyout market, you know, after the, the trade deadline. And so I'm not going to rule out the Lakers just yet. You know, they're a team to be judged in the postseason, not the regular season. I tell people this, like, getting Russell Westbrook was the worst thing that happened to the Lakers in a very long time because – that's, hey, that's harsh. I mean, because you know how Russell Westbrook plays. Like, he he just uh, – oh, how do you call it? Like, he passes He's definitely stats. reckless. He's reckless. He passes stats. And I believe they should have uh, kept Schroeder. But Schroeder shot himself in the foot because he wanted an $85 million deal. And that the no, Lakers – the Lakers actually gave it to him, but he no, said no. They sorry, so they offered him four years at eighty four, yeah, and then reportedly he wanted a hundred, which yeah. he later denied. And I don't know if, if there's any truth to that, you know, statement. But uh, yeah, they did offer him four years at eighty four. But I'm actually glad they didn't, just because I know he's having a decent year with the Celtics this year. But he's just, in my eyes, he's not worth that much money. No, nah, I think he's a pretty decent player, but. Definitely. He's just serviceable. You think the uh, the the Lakers gonna trade uh, Westbrook? I don't think they can. You know, it seemed like for a second they wanted to. They explored the market. They were looking into doing it, but come on, he's the highest. He's the second highest paid player in the NBA. Forty four million with the player option of forty seven million next offseason. Uh, that's just. That's gigantic. That's way too much for any team. Way too much money for him for a player of his caliber. Uh-uh. Exactly. I don't think any team is really just going to want to voluntarily, you know, have that. Um, and just you know, yeah. I don't think any team would want to take that, especially <laughs> with the way that he's been playing this year. Um, it's just it's been disappointing. So, um, yeah, it's it's tough. I, they'd want to ideally, you know, they would, they would, but I just don't see a deal coming to fruition. Okay, last segment, we're going back to NFL. So give me your Super Bowl picks. Ooh. I think at this point, you know, I love Cincinnati's future. I think they have one of the best futures in the NFL. They definitely have a lot of Super Bowls in their future, but the time isn't now. Um, And there's no way in my eyes they beat Kansas City twice in the same year in the span of a month. And so I think Kansas City represents the AFC. I think that Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, just time and time again, they're going to continue to show people why they're the best offensive trio in the NFL, regardless actually of offense or defense. Just They're the best stars of the trio in the NFL, period. And I think in the NSC, I'm going to have – I think the Rams. You know, I, I hate the Rams. I'm going to just say it like that. And I think you know why. Uh, that you was know, pretty I'm, harsh. <laughs> yeah, it, right. Right. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I'm a Seahawks guy. You know, the Seahawks, I, I'm definitely riding for that team. Um, but I, I just – the Rams, man, they, they're so talented. Um, and the situation around Matthew Stafford is is almost flawless. You know, that team, they just have everything. Uh, they have a quarterback's dream, honestly, and that dream is to have a perfect team around them. Uh, you have a competent head coach. He's – they all say he's, a, you know, a mastermind, a genius offensively. 
Um, you have a capable running game and, and Cam Akers and Sonny Michelle. You have maybe the best wide receiver duo in football, Cooper Cup, OBJ. You have an above-average offensive line. You have the best defensive player in football in Aaron Donald. You have the best cover corner in Jalen Ramsey. You have the best pass rusher. Uh, you have the best, excuse me, pass rush in football, Von Miller, Leonard Floyd, Aaron Donald. You have I – could, I could go on. And so I know that San Fran has, has beat them, you know, six times in a row. San Fran has – they haven't lost since 2018. So it's been four years. Um, but I just feel like the Rams, they're going to be able to get over the hump and they'll be able to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. And I think it'll come down to the Chiefs and the Rams. And I can't ever root for the Rams to win a Super Bowl. So by default, I'm going to go with the Chiefs. Ooh, we have the same prediction. I got the Rams and the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. Uh-huh. I think the Bengals' time is not now. I mean, Joe Burrow is playing really well. Uh, Javar Chase is clearly rookie of the year, offensive oh, yeah. rookie of the year. And but I'm star. I'm sorry, Sports Dude Hines, but he's a podcaster that he's, he's a huge Bengals fan. Uh-huh. And I just don't think it's the Bengals' time yet. Maybe in the future, they're not being the Chiefs this uh, this Sunday. As for the 49ers Rams game, it's going to be a very tough one actually because that defense is really really good. The, oh. the Niners defense. But also, the Rams' defense is really, really good as well. Right. But I think the Rams are going to put it off, so it's going to be a Chiefs-Rams Super Bowl, but the Rams winning it. Sorry. Oh, the Rams winning it? <laughs> yep, the Rams are going to win it. Hey, it's all good. You know, honestly, if, if that was to happen, I wouldn't be the maddest person in the world. And you know why? It's because if I'm a player on the Seahawks and I see a team, especially when it's a team that I hate and they win it all, that's only going to motivate me throughout the offseason. I'm going to be so inclined. I'm going to be that much more motivated. Not that I need any more motivation, but I'm going to be that much more motivated to want to be able to just, you know, grind, grind my butt off, grind my tail off all offseason and try to get the team to buy in, try to get the team to lock in and make sure we're all on the same page. And, you know, every time we play the Rams in the upcoming regular season, we're going to play like we have chips on our shoulders because, you know, they're the defending Super Bowl champions and we got to bring it to them, you know, each and every single time out. And so um, I wouldn't mind it. I I feel like it actually helps Seattle in the long run. So I have one more question. Uh, Do we have anything you want to promote and where can people find you on social media? Yeah. Um, first of all, I just want to say thanks for having me, Kenny. You know, it was a great time. Definitely a pleasure. Um, and I'd love to have you on my show sooner rather than later. Um, so thank you so much for having me. If you guys are tuned in, for people that will tuned in, definitely be sure to show my guys some love at Kenny the Sports Guy on all socials. Um, and the last but not least. Kenny, Kenny the Sports Guy one. <laughs> Oh, yeah, you have to change your name. Yeah, Kenny right. Sports Guy won, actually. Okay, yeah, you guys heard the man. Um, and, and then, you know, once you do that, feel free to find me uh, primarily on YouTube, S-T-Z-A Smith, S-T-E-Z-Y-A-S-M-I-T-H. I have been working diligently and working, you know, on other social medias and trying to build, you know, our brand on those, you know, different avenues. And so definitely be sure to hit me with a follow on there. Um, on Twitter, I've been using that a lot more as well, like I just said. And primarily on YouTube, you know, I don't just drop Seahawks content. I try to touch on, you know, as many topics as possible. Like we just talked about, I'm a big Miami Heat guy, um, but I also cover NBA, um, really trying to cover everything. But if you're a big Seattle sports fan, definitely be sure to, you know, head on over to the channel and, you know, hit that subscribe. We're trying to hit 3K. You heard the man. He's trying to hit 3K. Follow him on all social media platforms, YouTube, and he has really good stuff. He talks about the Seahawks. 
talks about the Miami Heat and all things NFL. And I actually subscribed to him one time. I mean, subscribed to him, and he has really good talk, content. Hey, thank you so much, bro. I appreciate that. Well, that is the end of this episode. A big thank you for Steezy A. Smith for joining the show. Head on over to KenTheSportsGuy.com, Ken with two wins, and my social media pages on Instagram, at KennySportsGuy1, and on Twitter, at KennySports, on Twitter, at Kenny underscore sports and TikTok Kenny Sports Podcast. This episode will be on my Kenny the Sports Guy YouTube channel. Link for both the video and the podcast versions will be in the description below. Until the next episode, see ya, and I hope you stay safe and healthy. Go Hawks. the Sports Guy Podcast.